Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome to week number two of From the Grave, and we're so glad that, that you are here Last week on Easter, we kicked this series off with a message entitled, Believe Again. The resurrection story of Jesus Christ is powerful in so many ways, but I believe the narrative surrounding the story of his resurrection is just as powerful because we were able to look into the lives of the disciples, the, those that followed him closely, and we know that they believed in him, but the moment he was crucified, they lost their faith, they lost their hope. And then when he got up on the third day, they believed again. And so I hope that message helped you to believe again, whatever you're facing, that you have faith uh, to take on the day, the week, the month, the year, your family, your finances, all those things that anything that is dead in your life, what we have to understand about resurrection, anything that is dead in our life, because Jesus got up, you can also get up. He has the potential to resurrect anything in your life that is dead. And so uh, with that being said, I want to stop and, and, and be intentional for just a moment. Last week was Easter weekend, and we were able to pull off five services. And thanks to you guys, we had a record attendance of, uh, it was 400 more than the previous mark. Uh, we had 1,860 people last week. Amen. Can you give God praise for that? Wow. Just amazing. Blown away by it. And the better number is 97 decisions for Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that, that's what we really want to celebrate. I'm passionate, I, I, or let me say it like this, I'm thankful to be a pastor of a church that's passionate about reaching people, and we are going to continue to do that. Um, what we want to do with this series is, is this. Many of us are alive on the outside. Obviously, we're here, we're breathing. You ate breakfast, drunk some coffee, you're here. But if we were honest, we would, we would probably admit, some of us, that we are dead on the inside um, for whatever reason. Life, I mean, life can be demanding. Life can be a struggle. You can go through so many things that you reach a place where you're not really living, you're just surviving. Anybody ever been in survive mode? right? Most of us have been in a mode before of if I can just make it through the day or make it to next week or get through one more year or get through that semester at college, right? Whatever it may be, we're just, we're not really living, we're surviving. And the big idea of this series is simply it's not over, all right? It's not over. So whatever may look dead in your life, God has the ability to resurrect that. And so we looked at Believe Again last week. This week, I want to talk to you about Dream Again. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and tell them, Dream Again. Dream Again. Uh, and and this, this is going to be a little heavy. Um, I didn't know how heavy it would be until we got here this morning at 8.30. It, it may feel a little teachy, uh, whatever, but I, I believe that some of the principles we're going to hit um, are going to hit home. And so I don't want you to hear me today uh, through your flesh. I want you to hear me by the Spirit. And those of you that have been saved for a little while, you know what I'm talking about, that sometimes we can hear the Word of God through fleshly eyes and, and, and just kind of observe it and not really take it in. But, but if we could grab it spiritually today, I believe that God is going to help us dream again. Um, 
this series, we, we've basically hung this series on two verses, and I'm going to cover those real quick. John eleven twenty five 25 is the first verse, and we, we hit both of these last week. It said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now, this from John 11, this is the story of where Jesus raised Lazarus. Anybody remember the story? The dead man Lazarus. Jesus raised him from the dead. And it's a powerful story, and in this story, it's almost as if Jesus intentionally waited for Lazarus to die. And not only did he wait for Lazarus to die, he waited until the fourth day to do anything about Lazarus's situation. Uh, and it's really intriguing because one of his sisters comes to Jesus and says, she's mad, by the way. She's like, Jesus, had you been here, then Lazarus, he, he wouldn't have died. If you, if you would have been here, he would have made it. And she goes on to tell Jesus that, I know that there's going to be a resurrection, and one day he will get up. I understand that. But if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus responded to that by letting her know, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Now, the powerful part about this, this story where Jesus makes the announcement that he is the resurrection and the life, is that in Jewish culture, they believed that when somebody died, that the spirit of that person hovered over the body for three days. Okay, so they, they believe that. Now, we, we, we don't necessarily believe that, but Jewish culture believed the spirit hovered over the body for three days. And it's, it's awesome when you look at the fact that Jesus waited until the fourth day. And part of the reason I believe Jesus did that was to let everyone know that there's not going to be an explanation for him coming back. If you read the story, you, you find out that Lazarus was not only dead, but he was at the point where his body was stinking, all right? He was way past dead. And Jesus resurrected him on the fourth day, as if to say it, that, that his resurrection has nothing to do with his spirit hovering over, hovering over his body, but it's that I am the resurrection and I am the life, and anything that's dead, I have the ability to raise back up. So I, I think that is a powerful thing. The next verse that we're hanging this series on is Revelation 1.18. Jesus says, I am he who lives, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Both of those verses are, are awesome verses. And I especially love the last half of Revelation 1.18. Jesus said, I have the keys. In other words, Jesus has the ability to unlock anything in your life that is dead. And not only does he have the ability, he said he would build his church. The gates of hell would not prevail against it. And he said that he has given us the keys. All right, hit your neighbor and say, use your keys. You've been given keys to the kingdom. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, you have authority. And sometimes I think as Christians, we sit and allow a bunch of negative stuff to go on and chaos and dysfunction, not realizing that we have been given the authority in the name of Jesus to turn things around, to change it. And so we need to utilize those keys to change things. Now, as it relates to dreams, because that's what we're talking about today, dream again. There are two categories of dreams. The first category is head dreams. Everybody say head dreams. All right, head dreams are those dreams that we have when we go to sleep. Anybody dream? We got any dreamers in the house? Like, like Here's what you got to know about head dreams. God has the ability to speak to you through dreams. 
He can give you a message. He can show you something. But on the other hand, what you need to know is that sometimes your dreams are just weird. All right? I know that's, that's not deep, but you need to know sometimes you have a dream that you can't explain or articulate, and it's all because you just ate way too much pizza before you went to bed. All right? And, and so you got to understand that. God can speak through dreams, but sometimes our dreams are weird. Those are head dreams. The second category of dreams are heart dreams. Everybody say heart dreams. Heart dreams are our aspirations, the things that we want to accomplish, the things in us where most of us, I, I believe, want to make a difference in the world. We want to change the world. We, we want to make our family better, maybe our career better, our ministry better, or we just have goals. In other words, we have an expectation of where we want life to go. How many of you have an expectation of where you want your life to go? Like most of us do, we have goals, we have things that we want to accomplish. And this is where we, we begin to get a mental and a heart picture of where we want to be. And I want to put it to you this way. Anything you want to do that's significant, anything you want to accomplish, any dream that you want to become a reality, one thing that I have learned about that is this, is that if you can't see it, it will never happen. You have to be able to see yourself in that future state before it ever happens. One of the best ways for me to articulate that is Bethesda Church. This church is a miracle. I hope you know that. But what you need to know about this church and about the lives that are being changed, God showed me this. I could see this 10 years ago. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, you see it. You, you got to be able to see it. You, and, and some of you right now, because of what's going on in your life, you, you don't have a clear picture of where you're going. You, your dream is cloudy. And, and, and the other thing I would say about dreams is this, is yes, we all have dreams for our life, but more importantly, God has a dream for your life. God has a dream for your life. And what I would tell you, all right, I, I promise it's going to be a little heavy today. God's dream for your life is bigger and better than your dream. Now, sometimes that's hard to distinguish and hard to discern or hard to trust that God's going to bring about something really cool in our lives because we have a way of doing things and God has a way of doing things. But to show you that his dream is bigger than your dream, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is work, at work within us. So God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask, then we can think, then we can imagine, or even dream. God can do more, and his dream is bigger than our dream. Now, to illustrate this, we're going to go to the Old Testament, to the book of Genesis. If you're so new to church that you don't know where Genesis is, I'm going to help you out. It's the first book of the Bible, all right? Just open it up. You're going to find it real easy. But we're going to use Abraham as a backdrop to show us the difference between our dream and God's dream and how God brings certain things to pass. Here's what the scripture says in Genesis 15. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Now, it's Abram here because God had not changed his name to Abraham, which means father of nations yet. So he's speaking to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Some translation, uh, translations use, instead of reward, it's compensation. God was letting Abraham know, I'm your provider. I'm the one who takes care of your payday. Nobody else does. Isn't that a great thing to know as a believer that God will take care of you, that God is your compensation? He's letting Abraham know that, and he says, and it says this, Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, 
What can you give me since I remain childless? Abraham's dream was to have a son, to have a child. That was in his heart for that to happen. And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my, my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look, Abraham, at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, a couple things real quick. One being, he said, I want you to look and count the stars. In other words, Abraham, I want you to see yourself as a father of many nations. Like, here's what you got to pick. Here's what he says in Genesis 17, 4. Look at this first. As for me, God says, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. So powerful. He, he says, I want you to look at the stars, and I want you to see yourself in the future state. Abraham's dream was to have one son. That's all he wanted. I, I want a son. God's dream was to make Abraham not the father of one son, but the father of many nations. Again, God's dream is always bigger and better than your dream. And I find it amazing sometimes when, when we talk about living out our faith and dreaming, uh, dreams that God has given us, that some of us, we get stuck in our own dreams trying to accomplish our own things, and we're forfeiting the big dream, the big destiny that God has for us. And I want to encourage you that this week, that you take some time to find out not what it is you want to accomplish, but what is it that God wants to accomplish through you, because that is where you're going to find fulfillment. That's where you're going to find destiny. That's where you're going to find impact is when we get our lives in line with God's dream. So I, I want to break this up into two categories. I'm going to talk about dreaming again in a few minutes, but before we get to dreaming again, I want to talk to you about the dream killers. Everybody say dream killers. There are some things that will kill your dreams. The first one is unfulfilled expectations. Unfulfilled expectations. Genesis 16 and 1. It says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, her name hadn't been changed yet, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said, watch this, this is Abram's wife. She said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go and sleep with my maidservant. Y'all thought General Hospital was steamy. Perhaps, perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram, oh my goodness, I can't believe what's wrong with him. Abram agreed to what Sarah had said. Now, obviously, Abram is a man of God. He is Father Abraham, we sing songs, he's anointed, but he didn't get the memo. Anytime your wife says something like that, she means the opposite, all right? He, he didn't pick up on the clues here for whatever reason. He missed it. Um, and, and, and so Sarah, is, she, she, she understands Abraham has a dream, and his dream is to have a son. I can't give it to him, so we're going to find a way for him to have a son, and and, and really, where they found themselves, what led to this was unfulfilled expectations. They had an expectation, we're going to have a son, and they could not conceive. So it's unfulfilled expectations. And my question for you today is, have you ever been in a season where you felt like 
you were experiencing unfulfilled expectations. We could say it like this. You were expecting one thing, and you got another thing. We've all been there, right? We, we wanted this expectation to happen, but we got this result. And, and so we're left with unfulfilled expectations. And, and sometimes when that happens, it leaves us uh, feeling empty, hopeless, like, you know, how, how is this going to turn around? How will this change? And it's extremely challenging. I, I don't care how spiritual you are. It's extremely challenging to expect one thing and get another thing. Some of you are here today, and the truth is you had one expectation, but your result has been completely different. And if you could be really honest this morning, you would say you're frustrated. You're mad. As, as obviously, Sarah was so mad she wasn't even in her right mind. Go sleep with the maidservant, and we'll produce a family through her. And this is so powerful because there is a, I'm going to give you a danger for each one of these dream killers. It's not in your notes, but if you're taking notes, write this down. The danger of unfulfilled expectations is that we will take matters into our own hands. God didn't come through. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to find a way. She said, perhaps I can build a family through Hagar. Now, I don't have time to unpack it, but Hagar gets pregnant. They give birth to, Abraham and Hagar give birth to Ishmael. And, and as I said, I don't have time to unpack that, but Ishmael and Isaac, the promised son, who Abraham and Sarah eventually have, were at constant odds with one another. All right, And the reason being is because Ishmael was a counterfeit dream. It wasn't God's dream. Okay? And, and, and i got to get this. This is the difference between flesh and spirit. Anything you birth in the flesh, you're going to have to work to maintain it. You're going to have to work to keep it afloat. But anything that is birthed not by the flesh, but by the Spirit of God, God will handle all the details. And that's a powerful thing to, to, to grasp, to, to take hold of. So we have to be careful when we're faced with unfulfilled expectations that we don't take matters into our own hands and produce something that later on we regret. Some of us, we've produced some things that we're like, man, I wished I hadn't done that. All because we were met with unfulfilled expectations. As a follower of Christ, as a leader, as a pastor, I've learned that I often lack discernment. When I become needy. Y'all like, what's that mean? Have you ever met somebody that was just needy? Like, I need a man. I'm going somewhere today. I need a man. I just need a man. And you, you're so needy, you don't have any discernment. He don't have a job. He's still in his mom's basement. And you're going to marry him? Fairy tale wedding, you lack discernment because you're needy. Anytime we're needy in our soul, we lack discernment. And, and what if, could I, if I could propose a question, what if your unfulfilled expectation was a setup by God so that He could bring forth His dream instead of your dream? Sometimes what is a setback is a setup. Because God's got to get us off our own game plan 
and he's got to get us on his game plan. So um, before I give you the next dream killer, you have to understand the reason this was so tough for Abraham is because he got a promise that didn't find its fulfillment until 25 years later. How many of that's a long time to hang on to a word? I got a word from God, and you got to wait 25 years. Some of us haven't waited 25 minutes, and we're mad. All right? Now, so let me put it like this. Some of us, we want a microwave dream. And God oftentimes cooks up our dream in the crock pot. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time. Come on, hit your neighbor and say it's going to take time. The second dream killer, unrelenting doubt. Genesis 17, 17, look at this. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and he said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Abraham's 100. Y'all thought having kids in your 40s was tough. Some of y'all, get ready, get ready, get ready. No, I'm just kidding. You're, like, you're 92, getting ready to have a kid. How many know that would be a difficult place to be in? He's like, I'm 100, and he goes on to say, look at this. His wife is 90. These are some old, they should be in a retirement home. <laughs> Not having kids, starting a family. I mean, it should be over in the natural. It doesn't make any sense. And so when, when we're presented with circumstances like that, the, the temptation is to start questioning, right? To say, how, God, is this going to happen? How is it going to work out? How can this be? And anytime we're up against unrelenting doubt, you need to know that that is, that is the, the battlefield where the enemy will come and start speaking to you because the enemy knows that God's dream for you is awesome. And he will do anything in his power to keep you from pursuing the God dream in your life and, and, and to produce doubt. And that's so important to understand because doubt is the opposite of faith. James 1 and 6 says, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. He's blown and tossed by the wind. The danger for unrelenting doubt is that we start taking the lies of the enemy as our truth. Some of you have been, you've been entertaining lies and now it's become your truth. The enemy is a deceiver. Yes, he wants to speak that you're inadequate, you're a failure, your past is going to limit you, you're not going to be able to accomplish it, and you got to, you got to be able to recognize his voice from God's voice. And a lot of times, how many of the sheep, sheep we're, we're called sheep all throughout Scripture, and sheep are not bright. They run off cliffs, I'm, honestly. And so we got to slow down. And say, God, what is it that you're saying? The third dream killer is unchangeable circumstances. Unchangeable. It won't move, it won't budge, it won't change. Genesis 18 and 11, Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. Instead of getting old, I'm just advanced in years. That's, that's my word right there. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. In other words, in the natural, it didn't make sense. And when your circumstances are unchangeable, you start to feel like this is not going to happen. You start making excuses. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough support. My family's too dysfunctional. Not your all's family. My family, too dysfunctional. But for this to happen, we start making excuses on why the dream is not going to become a reality. The danger of unchangeable circumstances is that we are tempted to give up. It's not moving, it's not changing, so I throw in the towel. 
Abraham had every excuse to give up. Every excuse to stop believing. His expectations were dashed. He suffered from doubt, and now his circumstances were not lining up with his dream. And many of you feel that today. You feel that your dream is dead. Your dream is over. I thought it would happen, Pastor, but it didn't. So what do you do when you feel that way? What do you do when you feel that way? I got good news for you. I want to encourage you to dream again. And I'm going to give you three encouragements for dreaming again. Number one, dream again even if it takes a long time. How many of God's timetable is not our timetable? Even if it takes a long time. This is about you learning to trust God's process. And I know you don't think God has a process, but he has a process. God, God has a way of bringing our dreams to pass. And it's going to be bad news for some of us. God does not always immediately fulfill our dreams. And the reason being is because if everything was done immediately, it would not require faith. Some of you just want to snap your fingers and it's done. But anything significant usually takes some time. Look at the prophet Habakkuk says this in chapter 2, verse 3. At the time I have decided my words will come true, you can trust what I say about the future. It may take a long time, but keep on waiting. It will happen. It will happen. It may take a while. And, and, and usually when it's taking a while, we start asking God, when? When, God? When, God? When, God? And, and God, here, here's what you got to know about God. God wants to work on you before he works on the dream. God wants to work on you before he works on the project. The delay phase is intended to make sure you're ready, not the dream. Noah had to wait 120 years for that dream to become a reality, that boat. Moses waited 80. Jesus waited 30 years before he started his public ministry. See, I believe that some of you haven't been presented from God with a no. I think some of you have been presented with God with a not yet. Delay is not denial. See, I believe every God-sized dream, anything significant that you're going to do or accomplish that God has given you, will go through the death, burial, and resurrection process. Anything significant will go through that process. Jesus was the one who said, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it falls to the ground and dies, guess it will not only come forth, but it's going to come forth with a lot of fruit. I want you to know that when your dream, it may look dead, but when God resurrects it, not only will the dream be alive, but everybody connected to you will benefit from the dream that God has deposited on the inside of you. Everybody will benefit. I told you it's going to be a little heavy today. Some of you are in a delayed process, and you don't understand why things look dead. But you got to know, Abraham was 100 years old, and the promise was still good, even though he had waited 25 years. And so that teaches me that God never wastes one moment. How many know God won't even waste your pain? He will use your pain to get you to where you need to be. Dream again, even if it takes a long time. I have seen people go through places or, or go to places or positions that they thought they were ready for only to find out they were not ready because talent can get you in a lot of doors, but only character can keep you there. And some people, their character has not caught up with their gift. 
Y'all like, where's the Easter message? This is an Easter message. There's a process to it. Sometimes our dreams are delayed. Sometimes there's critics. When we start, when you do operate in your dream and in your gift, you need to know, right? And I'm going to go ahead and warn you. Not everybody's going to celebrate it. Not everybody's going to like it. I got more haters now than I've ever had. Trying to do God's will, trying to to make sure God's dream comes to pass. And you got to get to a place where you're okay with the critics, you're okay with the circumstances surrounding it, as long as God's dream is coming to pass. And I want to encourage, don't throw in the towel because the only reason God would make you wait for a little while is because God cares more about your character than your comfort. He's developing you. Look at what 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says. Be glad about this, even though it may now be necessary for you to be sad for a while because of the many kinds of trials you suffer. Their purpose is to prove that your faith is genuine. I don't know about you, but I want genuine faith. How do I know if my faith is genuine? No matter the circumstances, I keep a good attitude. If I, if I have a bad attitude because everything's not going my way or I didn't get what I want, that speaks to the fact that I don't have genuine faith. Have you seen people, don't look at your neighbor, but when things go bad, they can't worship, they can't celebrate, all because circumstances are, are not the way they want them to be in their life, and now all of a sudden God's not worthy of worship? You need to decide, I want a genuine faith, and regardless of when the dream comes to pass, if i got to be like Abraham and wait 25 years, I'll wait 25 years with a good attitude because I know on the other side it will be worth it. Genuine faith. God's process will take time, but God knows when you're ready. Proverbs 16 and 9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. The second encouragement, dream again even if it sounds ridiculous. How many of you can have a dream that just sounds ridiculous? How in the world is that going to happen? This is about trusting God's purpose believing that his purposes will come to pass. Look at what God asked of Abraham. In Genesis 22, it says, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, we clarified earlier, what was Abraham's dream? To have a son. What does God ask of Abraham? I want you to take your son up on the mountain and sacrifice him. Now, some of you are new to church, and and I, I want to give you the principle of this, okay? God wanted to see if Abraham would lay down his dream to pick up God's dream. If you know the story, he doesn't have to sacrifice. He takes Abraham up on the mountain, and then God stops him. He's like, I've seen that you were willing to do whatever it took for my dream to come to pass. And so sometimes God will test our heart to see if we're willing to lay down our agenda to pick up God's agenda. And and, and the best verse to illustrate this, because we don't always understand God, Isaiah 55. Look at this. For my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. To make that real simple, God knows exactly what he's doing. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, trust the process. Dream again, even if it sounds ridiculous. Number three, 
dream again even if you don't think you can. Have you ever been in a place where you were so empty you felt like you couldn't dream? You were so frustrated you couldn't see beyond your circumstance, beyond where you were? The promises of God are yes and amen. And I know some of you would be like, well, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through and you don't know what they said to me and you don't know how hurt I am. And, and I understand that, but here's what you got to understand about what you go through in life. When, when you go through some things that bring hurt into your life, and I'm speaking to people, and I want, I want you to hear me again, by the Spirit, not by the flesh today, some of you have been offended, you've been hurt, and it's produced bitterness in your life. And what happens with bitter people is that they get stuck in a time warp. What does that mean? It means that they never move beyond what happened. You can run into them 10 years later, and you know what they're still talking about? What happened 10 years before? They get stuck. And the sad thing is, when you get stuck, life doesn't stop. Everybody keeps moving on. Everybody keeps going by. Life is passing you by. So much so that I ran into somebody a few weeks ago. Y'all don't judge me, but I ran into somebody a few weeks ago that I know they don't like me. Like, they do not like me. And so when I ran into them, you know what I did? Hey. You know what they did? They ran out the door. You know why? They're stuck. They're stuck. And it's really sad when you see people that go through things and then get stuck and life keeps passing them by because they're living in a time frame that nobody else is living in. And you're, listen to me, your dream, God's dream for your life is too great for you to forfeit it by being stuck in a past offense. You got to decide that you're going to move forward. As I was preparing this message, I felt this morning, or actually it was late last night, may have been close to morning, but I really felt like God was, was speaking and saying that there would be people here today that what you need to do is to repent for your attitude and you need to make things right with God and you need to make things right with those that you're offended at. See, not one ate me. Hallelujah! Praise Him! No, none of that today. You know why? Because we don't want to. Some of us would rather be bitter. We would rather be offended. But here's what I've learned about bitter people. God does not promote bitter people. God, I'll say it like this. God doesn't bless bitter people. Come on, hit somebody and say, get over it. Get over it. My goodness, you're not that important. I know, I'm preaching better than you're letting on today. But you need to let it go. Your, your future's too important. Your dream is too important. Your dreams will never come to pass if you don't learn how to navigate offense, hurt, unforgiveness. All of those things are dream killers. They will, they will, they will destroy everything God has put in your heart to do. Um, a great example, I believe that one of the things that, that people really need to grab a hold of, the reason you can move on and make things right with God and forgive people that have wronged you and move on is because, listen to me, no man can stop God's dream in your life. No man. The only way man can stop God's dream in your life is for you to get offended with man. Man. 
for you to get stuck and not be able to let some things go. I, I can remember, and I'll try to I put in my notes, if I have time, tell this story. All right, I got a few minutes. I'm going to tell this story. Um, I can remember Karen and I were already in full-time ministry, okay? In full-time ministry, we were doing this, uh, and we had a dream of big things. We were already dreaming about what's happening here, but we were, we were serving in a, in a different location, and I can remember getting offended with somebody above me. Has that ever happened to anybody? I'm the only one, Lord. All right. But I got offended. I, I was upset. I felt like my reasons were legitimate. And I was mad. I was frustrated. So mad that when I prayed, I said, God, why don't you deal with them? And I remember like it's yesterday that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart in a very gentle way and said, don't you say one evil word against them. I want you to honor them and bless them anyway. Listen, guys, three months later, I was here. God opened up the door. Listen, it was a test. It was a test. Are you going to be offended and start speaking evil of, of, of authority and then keep yourself stuck all the days of your life? Or will you bless and honor anyway and let me deal with the authority and see what I'll open up for you? And I believe, listen to me, this is how important that, that said. Now I can see, I couldn't see it then, but I believe with all my heart, had Karen and I handled that situation wrong, I would have never been here and never experienced any of this. <laughs> Didn't know it. How many of you don't know it when you're going through it? You're just mad. You got feelings, you know? You want, you want your feelings to be affirmed and you want to be able to say whatever. Listen to me. People that do great things can't say everything that they want to say. Yeah. That's about what I thought. I'm having fun. It's fun looking at y'all. The most important thing we can do when it comes to our dream is to get the right attitude, even in a hurtful place. Even in an offended place. As the worship team comes, look at how Abraham responded or how God responded to Abraham. In Genesis 22, 15 through 18, it says, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, and he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, you are willing to sacrifice your promise. He said, You've withheld, you, you have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you. And I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you obeyed me. God said, because you have, Abraham, I will. You've obeyed me, now I'm going to show up. And that's all about surrender. That's, that's, to, to have something like that happen, you have to surrender your life, your dreams, your goals, and allow God to, to, to breathe life on the things that he has put into your heart. See, this is the moment where God begins to breathe new life on your dream. And some of you are here and you're like, my dream's dead. It's over. It's not going to happen. How is that possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. Jesus said this, Matthew 19, 26, with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? All things are possible. You can move beyond this. A couple more scriptures and then we're going to pray. I told you today was going to feel a little bit different. Are you guys okay? All right, all right. I don't want you to feel like, well, pastor took us to the woodshed, you know. Don't want you to feel that way. 
2 Corinthians chapter 1, 8 and 9, the burdens laid upon us were so great and so heavy that we gave up all hope of staying alive. Paul's saying this. He said, we felt that the death sentence had been passed on us, but this happened so that we should rely not on ourselves, but only on God who raises the dead. Sometimes God will allow some things to die to show you the power of resurrection, of what that thing will look like when God breathes new life into it. It's about trusting God. It's about having a good attitude and trusting God's sovereignty. And look at what Paul goes on to say. He says in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1 and 10, He saved us and will save us. And we have placed our hope in Him that He will save us again. If God has saved your soul today, don't you think He can resurrect that dream? Amen. Come on, let's give God praise if you believe that. Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, hit two people and tell them, dream again. Dream again. We're going to do two things today. One, we're going to pray for those that need Jesus to save them. But then we're going to have a time of prayer and just trust that God is going to speak to us. As I'm preaching, three people have already given their life to Jesus this morning. Can you imagine that? That's just crazy. Crazy. But I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're watching online, you can make this decision right there on your laptop or your smartphone. But if you're in this room today and you say, well, pastor, I need Jesus to come into my heart. I need to be saved. I need forgiveness of sins. I need that today. And I don't want to leave without it. If that's you today, I'm not going to prolong it. This is between you and the Lord. Would you just signify by throwing your hand up and saying, that's me, I need Jesus today. Thanks for these three, four hands right in the center. God bless you. Where else are you? Another one over here, God bless you. One over here, God bless you. One more, God bless you. Awesome, awesome, I see those hands. God sees those hands. More importantly, how many know God sees the heart? God sees the heart. There's hands all over the building, but we're gonna pray together, and those that are watching online, if you'll just pray this with us, and believe that God is going to forgive you and come into your heart, you're going to be saved today. I want us to lift up our voice together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Come into my heart, Jesus. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you so much for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Celebrate all those people today. Wow. Awesome. Oh, come on, church. Give God a praise today. I'm going to ask my prayer team, staff, to come forward. We're going to do one more worship song, and this is an opportunity for you to receive prayer today. And let me say, this prayer time, it's not... It's not just specifically for one thing. We, we will pray for you for your marriage, your finances, your, your health, all of those things. We, we want you to come. We don't want anybody to ever come to a service and feel like they can't receive prayer. But at the same time, what I do want you to know this morning is that maybe you're here and, and really the message spoke to you. You feel like the dream is dead. Something that you felt like you had one expectation, but you got a different result. I'm telling you, God can resurrect that dream. 
And we would love for nothing more than to pray with you and believe for your miracle, your healing, your breakthrough, your dream to come to pass. And, and we believe God will honor. How many know there is power in agreement? There is power in agreement. And so as the prayer team comes now and the staff, if y'all would line up up front, we're going to do one, one more worship song. And as we do this, please come. And, and let's, let's have a time of prayer and worship together. Before we do that, can we give God one more big praise today? Thank you for being here today. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.